Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Riley's going to keep it and then throw. And Adarius Pullman's got a pair. Touchdown Eskimos. This one from 51 to tie it. Ball is up and it is... Through. Sean White has done it again. It's off the boards, two on two Oilers. McDavid has a step to the net. Back hitter short side, he scores! Connor McDavid scores both goals tonight and wins the game in overtime! Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Well, let's get it going. The Eskimos back on the practice field. The Hamilton Tiger Cats, the next opponent. They'll be at the Brick Field at Commonwealth Stadium Saturday. It's on 6.30, Chet. 3.30 for the pregame show. We'll kick it off at 5. You'll hear from Mike Riley, Jason Moss as we move along tonight. We'll talk a little Green Riders. Well, I guess there only are Green Riders as well. I can still call them that sometimes. There's no Black Riders anymore. Ottawa has a different name. Red Blacks. There you go. Hey, Andrew Gross is in studio. This is going to be fun. Finally fulfilling his threat to stick around for the beginning of Inside Sports. He said he's going to do 30 minutes. I'm going to try to drag it out to 45 or even 60 because I have a feeling he's going to be extremely interesting. You're always interesting as well. You can phone us 780-496-0063. You can uh, text 630-630. We'll talk some uh, Oilers stuff tonight as well as your uh, hopes and keys to an improved team this season. My name is Reed Wilkins. Great to have you along for the ride. The Blue Jays play Arizona tonight. We will update that one for you as it gets going. Andrew, again, thanks for, I should, uh, now, uh, Andrew Gross is the co-host of the Afternoon News. He is uh, a uh, world-famous stand-up no, comedian. On, you are na- a national famous stand-up comedian. I'm a local favorite. You are a local, local, local favorite. <laughs> and you're sure a renowned Bantam football coach. I did coach Bantam football for quite some time. I actually won an award for coaching Bantam football back in the day. It's been many years. I haven't had the time to do it in the last 10 or 15 years, but I coached a long time ago. Did win Alberta's uh, Amateur Coach of the Year, yeah. Oh, nice. That's great. I what often team think did you about, coach? Uh, the Broncos. They were the uh, Bron- Calgary Broncos. Then was your son on the team? He was not. Uh, neither of my children were at the right age to play for the Broncos at the time. And these uh, these are Bantam football, so it's grade 7, 8, and 9. Okay. And I often think about, uh, I'm glad we're starting here, because I often think about that experience and I relate it to the Oilers. And, and, and I think that, and I know that you'll disagree. I, I'm guessing. I shouldn't. Well, uh, probably. Dis- you'll you'll <laughs> probably disagree. There, there was a time, and you tell me if this doesn't make some amount of sense to you. And I'm just going to throw it out there and criticize as you will. So I, I took over this team. Now, it was on the north side of the Calgary of, of Calgary. It was a very uh, kind of have-not uh, area of Calgary. Not a lot of kids had time to play football. They had other things to do. There was a lot of problems associated with the area. Uh, took over the, and that's how I was able to take over the team, is that nobody really wanted to coach the team either. 
And did you have any coaching experience? I had gotten my certification, but had no coaching experience. Okay. I, I'd, uh, you know, volunteered here and there as a defensive coordinator, and uh, but had never played or coached on the offensive side of the ball. So okay. took over as an offensive coach. Did a lot of, uh, you know, studying, and long before you were able to Google this kind of thing, just read a lot of books and, and you know, what I had learned from my certification process. Uh, and I went to the UFC Dinos camp and watched how they put their team together. And I inherited this team that had not won anything in a long time. These guys were horrible. And and they really were. And their equipment was horrible. Everything about them was horrible. Yeah, he had nowhere uh, to go but up. Yep, exactly right. So I played, uh, or I, I was a coach for one season, and really the results were about the same. Tried to do some things. I brought cheerleaders in because I thought if, you know, it was more fun for the kids, that might attract a few more kids. Uh, we did a little adjustments here and there with really the exact same results. And then in the off season, after the first season, I got my other coaches together and I said, we're going to do something really stupid, really, really different. And if it doesn't work, then we're right where we were before. But if it does work, we're going to look back on this day and say, this was the most brilliant decision we ever made. Okay. So what I said was, you can have players that are in grade seven, eight, or nine on your team. Almost every team takes exclusively grade nines. And they're, they take them because they're the biggest kids. Um, you know, it adds size, immediate size sure. to your team. A lot of them have previous playing experience, you know. And I said, what we're going to do is, no matter what, we have 36 uniforms, 36 sets of equipment. We're going with 12 grade 7s, 12 grade 8s, and 12 grade 9s. And that's the rule. There's no exception. Interesting. And if we have more than 12 grade 9s that we would like or we think are suitable for football, we're going to release them and allow them to play for other teams so that they can still play football. We're not going to prevent them from playing football. And in that first season... We won as many games as we'd ever won before. We lost a lot. We lost by a lot more. And a lot of parents were really upset with me that we had done this. Mm -hmm. The following year, my third season as head coach, we were unbeatable. We won almost every game. We went to a city championship and lost. The following season, we won all our games and the city championship. So the kids that started in grade seven became a powerhouse team. Exactly. Every year, two-thirds of our team returned. Every right. year, two-thirds of our team knew what they were doing, and we were only bringing in the grade sevens at that point and teaching them football. And subsequent years, we brought in grade sixes. Didn't charge them to be part of the team. They were on our practice uh, roster only, but they got to hang out. So you built a program. I built a program that took some years to do, but we got there, and we never flinched. We never said, this isn't working, or parents are upset with us, and I realize that's a big leap to the NHL. But there's something about having experience around you, and there's something about having players who've won things that has a real positive effect on the players who haven't. And it, you, you get this whole environment, a, a winning sort of attitude amongst the, all the players and those little adjustments that a player can make on the field with the player next to him who doesn't know as much or mm -hmm. in practice and you know point the ball up not down when you're doing this or just you know you're a little guy get a little lower on him you know like these kind of little adjustments that as a coach you can't always be on top of made a massive difference well I you know I think that's interesting Andrew and I, and I have a few comments and questions out of that First of all, you, you created an environment. I mean, you mentioned the kids talking amongst each other. And as, and as a coach, especially a youth coach, that's often the, and other coaches have told me this, that's often the most pride they feel when they see a kid taking another kid aside and actually giving them, like, advice, like not like yelling yeah. at them, like saying, yeah. hey, man, I used to struggle with that, and then exactly. I, I learned this. So you cre you created an environment where those twelve oldest kids 
knew they had to be the leaders. That's right. right. They had no. They they really had no choice. Clearly, if they wanted to if they wanted to continue being successful, they That's couldn't right. slough it off. They had to be the hardest workers. They had to lead by example. And they stepped up and took that and, role. And they had to tell the grade sevens, hey, the grade nine class that graduated. One last year. That's I want right. that in my last exactly. year. Exactly. So let's we got to all pull in the same direction, exactly. and then you have to do that when you get there. Here's my here's my devil's advocate question to you: Was what you did fair to the 13th best grade nine who tried out for your team? Yes. Um, I mean, not fair in terms. As I say, we would release them so we could go to another team, and I'm not aware of anybody who wasn't able to get picked up by another team because they're always looking for good good grade nines. It was tough, but you know what? I, I think it was. It was good for developing a competitiveness among those grade nines. It wasn't a matter of just because I am grade nine, I showed up and going to make the team. Um, it also, there was a competitiveness among the coaches and a cooperation as well, where we had to, you know, a lot of players at that level play both ways. You know, you might right. you might be on special teams as well as being on the offense or defense, or you might be on both the offense and the defense. So coaches started cooperating with each other saying, well, you know, you're right, this guy's really fast, but this guy's really good at uh, blocking, or this guy's really good at whatever. So, you know, they would cooperate and they'd, we felt like we were a machine, like we were all striving together as a team, not just the players, but the coaches as well. In a single, with a single goal in mind, and that goal was to win the the championship, which, as I say, we did. And and I know this is a reach, but it just feels, as a fan of the Oilers, and I know we're jumping levels of sport and also sport. It feels like we take a lot of young kids with a lot of talent and throw them on the ice and hope it comes together. Just it to me, as a fan, that's what it feels like. And it and if that doesn't happen in year one then there's this hangover in year two that we don't really have a winning attitude on the ice. And in year three and in year four, and then when we start trading players away or getting rid of them, and then especially when we hear that they're doing so much better with a different franchise, it's impossible. It would be impossible as a human being. I know these are elite athletes, but it would be impossible as a human being not to feel failure just not to feel like something's wrong here. Well, you're right. Regardless of the, the level of athlete or the salary or whatever, you're not immune to human emotions. Right. Some deal with them better than others. I, I mean, I think you raise a great point, and, and to me that's part of the reason I love sports is because we have we have stats and there are guys who are obvious star players, yet sometimes the same people win over and over again mm. or, or 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 at least fairly successful over and over again and i mean look uh, the denver broncos won the super bowl over a carolina panthers team that only lost one game in the regular season and really blew some teams out mm -hmm. like obliterated some teams you know and cam newton was mvp and all that kind of stuff and the what's the one play a lot of people are going to remember from this year's Super Bowl? Cam Newton fumbled the ball and didn't try to dive on it. Right. And then they're going to remember Cam Newton being kind of sulky in his post-game <laughs> interview. And and what do a lot of people say helped the Broncos? Well, John Elway came in as president, a, a former player, and he established this is how we do things, this is how we, we, we treat people. So you're right, that 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 is a part of it. Is it a guarantee? Of course not. No. Of course not. There's there's never a guarantee. But 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 now in town, let's look at the U of A Golden Bears. Traditionally sure. a great hockey program, c contender for the national title pretty much every year. Now, have they had excellent coaching? Yes. Have they had excellent recruiting? Yes. Is the U of A a larger school, so you, you can attract more guys who want their education? Sure. But a lot of those players say, 
well, I didn't want to be the one guy that was on the crappy Golden Bears team. Or I, I, I didn't want to be on the five-year cycle where I was a guy that didn't win at least one national title. Right, because yeah. pretty much for the last 20 years, every guy who's played five years has won at least at, at least one. So you're right. I mean, it's uh, sometimes it is about creating standards and creating a feeling of success. And I mean, to contrast, you're right with the Oilers. You've seen frustration get in set in or you've seen them play games where are they trying hard sure if the game had meant something would have they tried a little harder right. probably and and now the Eskimos have created that and I've as you know I've interviewed several guys about it I had Batiste and Washington from the old line in studio again on Friday that they just say well we knew we had it I mean we knew we had to yeah. work we knew we had to work but we knew what the challenge was and we knew if we executed it, we would do it. And I asked them specifically about the ball on your own 32 or whatever it was, 13 seconds left against Saskatchewan down three. What did you think? We thought we got this. Yeah, and there's... Uh, what? If, if you've... Uh, that, I know, and that was an incredible uh, last three series of... or last three plays in that game for the victory, the, field, the winning field goal. Um, but here's the thing. There's something in there in what you just said that's really, really important. There's this... There's this steamroll effect of knowing that you can pull it off, of having the confidence that you can pull it off because you've pulled it off before and you know you can do it and you've got a ton of experience behind you. And you know, when it comes to, and I know we keep switching sports, when it comes to the Oilers, the frustration for me is, I know as a fan, I don't think they can pull it off. On any given night, I wonder how they're going to play. And and I don't want right. that anymore. Right. Like, I, I want to get my pizza ordered and get my TV on, and I want to think that we have a chance of winning every single game. Right. And, and maybe that's unrealistic, but I, I don't expect us to win every single game. I want to believe there's a chance we win every single you game. You want, and I mean, the team has been, and, and I mean, they were a little better last year. Yeah. But certainly the, the two previous years, there was a lot of, oh, it's 3 nothing, 15 yeah. minutes in, and it ends 4-1. It's but it was never really right. even that close. Yeah, the pizza hasn't even arrived yet. Right. You and, know, and so you wanna, this is over. You want to think, okay, worst case scenario, maybe we lose 3-1 with an empty netter. Or, exactly. or hey, if the other goalie stands on his head, just want it to be competitive. But you want it to be... Yeah, yeah. be competitive game to game. Be competitive uh, throughout the season. Uh, an, a reasonable expectation that we might be counting points again. Do you remember back in the day when we were always waiting for those last couple of games to see if we made the playoffs or not? Mm -hmm. and, and I hated those years. No, they seem like... I miss those years. Yeah. I miss them so bad where you did the math. You, you don't have to do math anymore. You know, come late December, early January, the math's pretty much been done for you. So, you know... Yeah, actually, November, the math's been done for you. I, I want that to be behind us. And I want I want the lie to stop. Can I say that? And, and we lie to ourselves. And I do it all the time. I've done it all the time with the Oilers. I love the Oilers. I'm a huge fan of the Oilers. I watch every single one of those darn games, even though they're frustrating to watch. But the big lie is when the sentence begins with something like, we have so much talent, or there's so much raw talent on this team, or these young guys are so... And then, and then you. I know there's a lot of talent on the team, but you can't argue with the results for eight years. Whether well, and that's part of the reason Taylor Hall was traded. Exactly. No one's debating his, his talent, but Shirelli says, I want to change the mix of the team, and right. maybe the team is better. Now, we don't know. Again, we, hope. Don't, we don't know. Maybe, may, maybe the hope is once again going to be false. And that's why... But he's, that's... He's, he's changed... He has changed the ingredients of the team yes. more than anybody else. We're not going into this season, well, we're still somewhat saying it, but we're not going into this season saying, well, maybe this is the year Dugan Hopkins increases by 15 right. points. Maybe this is the year Everly scores 40. 
And now we're saying, oh, we actually have decent players with different skill sets. Exactly. And I we wonder how grade, that's going to affect you. We have grade sevens, eights, and nines now. You know what I mean? We have different size, different skill sets. We have, we have the ability, and that's the other thing I want to see behind us as well, is there's some teams that we play where they might as well have put a brick wall up at the other at the opposition's end. Yep. Yeah, we, we just run into this brick wall, can't get the puck in there, can't get anything set up. And people talk about, well, you know, if we had a right-handed defensive, uh, you know, shot, if we had somebody there to, to take over to quarterback the power play, well, we got to get in their end. We have to be able to get in their end for that to happen. Neutral zone's been a tough pull for tough. the Oilers. Yep. And it's a, for me, as a fan, again, for me, it's just simply a size issue. You're... You're going to stick around, right? Uh, sure, why not? Andrew Gross from the Afternoon News, renowned Canadian comedian. <laughs> I just keep complimenting I'll take you. it. What the heck? It's uh, 621. You can text 63630, by the way. Got a couple texts I want to reach, Andrew, All when right. we get back. This is J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chat. Reed Wilkins with you inside sports on 6:30. Chet, Andrew Gross is in studio. A former uh, Bantam football coach in Calgary, telling some great stories. So he had a team of 36 players, and you built the program. Was it sort of the Calgary Broncos? Calgary Broncos. Yeah. Uh, always had uh, 12 grade nine kids, 12 grade eights, and 12 grade sevens. Uh, Jared says, "How many grade sevens got crushed bad?" Well, you don't put them in positions to fail. I mean, typically, knowing that you're working with a third and a third and a third, and given that there's growth spurts between those ages, my grade nines would typically be up on the line, both offense and defense, running back positions. You could put sevens and eights in secondary on the defense. You could make them receivers. Um, it was all about becoming part of the team and all about understanding the game of football. As they got bigger, I mean, in the following years, I'd put them up if, uh, you know, if they had the size to do it. It's funny when I think about it. I'm, I, it's been years now, and I'm thinking back on it. There's also some really big seven-year-olds. Don't kid yourself. Like there's, you're always looking for that, that that big grade seven or that that really big grade eight or that really fast grade seven. There's lots of ways to use kids. You know, in the best possible way. Use kids sounds awful. Yes, I know what you mean. But, use yeah. players. Yeah, deploy exactly. deploy players right. for sure. That's what I meant. Uh, Bubba says, uh, read your dreaming Oilers histories. They know how to screw up talents that go on to have great careers with other teams. Just check out all the ex-Oilers on other teams. Uh, they are all winners on the Oilers, not so much. Okay, Bubba. Send me the list of players. I mean, you're right. Um, but did Justin Schultz go to Pittsburgh and become a better player, or was he just deployed in a more successful situation? Well, I think the, yeah. it, that's a rhetorical question. That's the thing. I can't explain all of that, but certainly that's a very common attitude, right, when it comes to discussing the Oilers, that they don't have a success here and find it elsewhere. But, you know... That's a generalization, which isn't true. It's a very much a generalization. And if you were to take any one player on the Oilers and plant them on um, a really competitive Stanley Cup-bound team, um, I would guarantee that they would... At least to right. I, I just, I just, I mean, I mean, Bubba. I know you listen to the show all the time, but I mean, you, you send that text in. Same okay, text all Sam Gagne was in the minors mm-hmm. after after leaving the Oilers. So I, I mean, Ben Scrivens was in the minors and got to play a few games. So don't don't write in and say every Oilers, yeah, every, no, every player's left the Oilers been been great somewhere else. Where's Scrivens it's not, down? It's he got not picked, true. picked up by Montreal, right? Yes. Is that where he still is? On in their farm league, though. In their, yeah. I don't think he has a contract. Oh, okay. 
Jamie says, I agree with you, Andrew. You need hierarchy on a team for so long. There hasn't been any meaningful leadership on the Oilers. What a shame for all the young talent that has come to Edmonton in the last decade. And I think that's true. There hasn't, there wasn't a lot of support. Yeah. I mean, basically, when Taylor Hall was drafted, it, I mean, I'm going to simplify it here because there's a lot at play. But there was, there was certainly an element of run Taylor like yeah. a boy in the field it's all yours now boy go it can't yeah. go wrong we finished last that'll never happen again right right and let's not forget how many head coaches we had over the years as well that's really tough right and, and that's what the Leafs have done I think are, are doing well they hired Babcock right out of the gate it's like we hit rock bottom well granted they were still last but you know what I mean they, yeah you know and now the Oilers have committed to McClellan and here's the thing I'm not i I don't know if what Shirelli is doing is going to work. How, how can we actually know? I would say Shirelli is taking a different approach. Yeah, I'm willing to wait. Do you want see. to stick around for a few little short little more segment? Sure you will. Sure. This is Adarius Bowman from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Adarius Bowman in the 2-1 Edmonton Eskimos, ready to host Hamilton on Saturday night. I guess a late afternoon start at the Brickfield at Commonwealth. Bowman lighting it up so far this season. Uh, we got a text here to 6.30, 6.30. Four and a half hours of work, Andrew, in one day. When was the last time you did that? I'd laugh, but I still have three more hours left in my 14-hour shift. <laughs> see, but see, he's probably working. Sure. Like four on, and then he gets like nine days yeah, off. Yeah, yeah. Hey, listen, I, I've made, uh, I've <laughs> built a career around working as little as possible for as much money as possible, so uh, I'm not going to apologize. Okay, uh, can I ask, because I don't think I've ever really asked you this, even though I obviously I've known you a few years now, and I'm, I'm genuinely very interested in your other career as a sure. comedian. As you know, how how did you start doing stand-up comedy? Um, well, real quick, I was running a trucking company down in Calgary, and I had a girlfriend who was a performer of sorts. That sounds awful. Uh, <laughs> she sort of ran one of those specialty uh, companies. A performer of sorts. Well, you take that any way you want. She did, knew did, a lot did, of people. Did her job involve the slow <laughs> removal of clothing and her music? <laughs> and music. She had a lot of friends who were like aspiring uh, writers, dancers, actors. Like that was her community of uh, friends. Okay. And mine, not so much. But so I got to know her friends. And, and one day somebody came by, one of her friends came by and asked me if I would sponsor the program at this amateur show he was having. And there was going to be singers and dancers and a comedian was showing up, a professional comedian was coming. And I did, really did the trucking company no good to sponsor this thing because basically it's the everyone who's on the show's parents are going to show up to this. That's who's going to be there. But uh, you know, I had to do a friend's uh, a friend's friend a favor. I sponsored. It was like a hundred bucks or something. When I went, I got two free tickets to it. When I went, the comedian didn't show up. Oh, and I got talking to him backstage. And he was freaking about it because it was on the program that there'd be a comedian, a nameless comedian. So he just said, hey, you know that story you told in the office? Like, why don't you get on? Could you? Would you like? And I'm sure. And I got on stage and told this story and bombed horribly. Couldn't even tell you which the story is now. Just bombed right. horribly. Because it, it's different making a Way crowd different. laugh than your coworkers. Way laugh. different. And the structure of stand-up comedy, much different than a cocktail party conversation. All I remember about the bit is it had something to do with a rump roast. That's all I remember about it. Oh, that alone is fun. Yeah, it was really horrible. Um, but I'm, I just have a personality 
a defect where I can't leave something done poorly. So I, I thought about what I had done wrong, and I watched a bunch of A&E's, Evening at the Improv, and that kind of thing, and I figured out that there was a structured stand-up comedy, and I took that same story and I put it into a structure that made more sense, and I went back the following Saturday when he had his next show, and, and he literally didn't want me on stage. Like he, and the other performers didn't want me. They, I was the weakest link on this show. I actually paid to sponsor something else just to get on the show. I don't even know what it was. And that night had a marginally better set, uh, but it's like Pokemon. At that point I'm hooked and I just started going to amateur nights and eventually my hobby got in the way of my career. So I quit work and, and took to the road. That's awesome. That's how old, how old were you? Uh, I was in my 30s. I was like almost Oh, really? I didn't realize yeah. you, you started kind of later than I Yeah, I was thought. a general manager. I was uh, in senior management at a trucking company. I was doing well with my career. Well, good for you for chasing a dream. I, I encourage others to, to do the same. Just whatever makes you happy, go after that. Yeah. And then, then find ways to get out of Just... it and still get paid. <laughs> that's my advice. <laughs> there is life according to Andrew Gross. All right. So we, uh, I mean, you're a huge Edmonton sports fan. And certainly on this, you know, on this station, we broadcast the Oilers and the Eskimos, so you follow both teams very closely. Mm -hmm. What has been, you talked a lot about your experience as an Oilers fan. What has been your experience as an Eskimos fan? And I've put, I've used this stat a couple of times. In their last 13 games that counted, so 11 regular season games and two playoff games, Mm -hmm. they are 12-1, and outstanding. The one loss was in overtime. Eight of those 13 wins have been by seven points or less. Yep, that's right. And and none of them should have been. That's a, not really a statistic that anybody keeps track of, but none of them should have been, for the, for my from my perspective, as close as they were. It, it's frustrating, but the thing with CFL football, where it really differs from other major leagues, in my opinion, is that it's like a box of chocolates. From, from here, you don't know what you're going to get. They're, they don't build a team that stays together. If you excel in the CFL, you get your opportunity to go try out in the NFL. Uh, people retire, people get traded, people can't afford yeah. to play well, there here could be a lot of, like, Football in general has a lot of turnover. Exactly. NFL too, but yeah. So, you know, every year you hope to start with a core and you hope it'll be at least as good as it was this previous season. And coming into this one as Grey Cup champions, you know, but knowing that our coaching staff all left and went to Saskatchewan, not all, but most. Well, did they? I hadn't heard that. Yeah, yeah, it's a big story. I'll, <laughs> I'll Google it for you and print it out. Um, but there was other components of the team that were intact, Mike Riley being the most important, Darius Bowman, who we just heard on that little uh, stinger there. There were some really key components, some some holes on defense, but it's the CFL. So that team will evolve and change as all teams in the CFL will evolve and change as the season progresses. We're, we're going to pick up some people who didn't make the NFL. We're going to, you know, there'll be a trade or two or we'll find a guy. But basically this team is, is not as frustrating. They're nerve wracking would be a better description. That's a good way to put it. Yes. Yeah. They don't frustrate me because I'm fairly confident they're going to win. And, and, you know, you mentioned earlier, you know, 13 seconds left um, in the, in the last game, I was still confident, too. Like you mentioned, you know, you asked uh, the interview, did you think you were going to win? Yeah. I th- if you'd have interviewed me, I'd have said, well, I think we're going to win, too. Well, that's an interesting mindset for where you are as a fan. That's Be- true. Because, look, the ultimate thing a fan wants is victory. If if not, they want hope. And the Eskimos yeah. were in quite a hopeless situation. But even I was <laughs> yeah. thinking they got enough time to get two 15-yard passes down the sidelines. Right? Yeah. And they did. That's right. <laughs> 
<laughs> I know, that's funny, right? So it was usually you'd be like, okay, done. Like, the, they're going to throw a Hail Mary and it'll get knocked down. Yeah, because that's actually, that's a great point. Because typically when the team is not like this particular team or doesn't have the ability that this team has shown to pull it out of the fire at the last second almost every night, you start doing the math in your head. You go, okay, so hang on, hang on. You know, like we get a touchdown, we get the two-point conversion, we do an onside kick, we get it back, we, you yeah. know, get a field goal, you know, and you're like, oh, it's unlikely, but it might With these guys, I'm more like, okay, how are you getting this done tonight, boys? Like, what's it going to be, right? And really, two passes and a field goal. And then the only worry I had, and I'm, I'm sure I'm not alone, was when Chris Jones decided to gamble and go for the first down, and we had to hold them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the overtime play. Yeah, yeah. and I thought... First of all, I can't believe he's going for it. Um, and I didn't have confidence in our defense to stop them. I, I, at that point, I thought, oh, here we go. He's going to get the first down. Yeah, that worried me. I mean, I, I knew he'd go for it because I, I think if it's a yard or less, you have to go for it. You should sure. be able to sneak it. Now, Saskatchewan's had trouble with the short yardage this year, but then you're right. Then they're inside the 25 and, and a touchdown wins right. it, right? But there's that same philosophy again, if you think about it, that so we're going to wait until the last play of the game to win this game, and we're going to wait until the last of their offensive possessions to actually stop them. Right, yeah. You know, I mean, we do it. That's what the Eskimos have done. Right, I mean, so I have confidence they'll keep doing it, but it's like, man, could you just blow some team away? Would well, that, that be that, possible? That's, you're right. That That is that is a crazy thing, because I went back and looked at this streak, because they won last year they won their last eight regular season games and the two playoff games, and then they have the three this year, where what, they lost by eight, one by three, and one by four. I, I looked at that whole streak. Their most lopsided win was an 18-point win over Montreal. And they were trailing going into the fourth quarter. I so even that, even, that, even, even that one, even right. that game where they it looked like a comfortable victory. Yeah. Oh, they were behind going yeah. into, into the final stands of the game. I mean, really, their 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 quote unquote easiest game of that bunch, oddly enough, was the West Final against Calgary. Because middle right. of the second quarter, they just took it over, and Calgary got a couple touchdowns near the end yeah. to make it seem. Well, I remember suggesting on the afternoon news one afternoon that since a lot of the players are American and you know don't. They struggle sometimes to know the Canadian rules. You see that early in the season. That if we were to tell them that, listen, we lost the toss and we're down by 14 or something, if they could just tell them before the ball gets kicked off, (laughs) we are already down by 21 or something. But I'll tell you what, Mike Riley, like, man, that guy doesn't fool. Well, you know my line about Riley, right? No. That Because when I interviewed him last year and I asked him about just dealing with adversity and how he's able to have a bad throw or throw an interception and come back like nothing happened, I said, where does that come from? And he it, he almost didn't know how to answer the question. Like, it was just... Really? He, like, And I, I always say, it was like I asked him, what was it like to be a Jamaican woman in the 1800s? It just doesn't compute. <laughs> like, it doesn't compute to him that a mistake would affect him negatively. And, and just you know, accepts that they yeah. happen, and then he goes out and plays good. And do you remember, it's hard now, if, and it's only a few years ago, where there was a lot of quarterback controversy as to whether or not Mike Riley should be the starter or not. That was one of the worst things that ever happened to the Eskimos, is having that doubt linger for as long as it did. Because all teams start with a leader and trickle down to everybody. And to suggest that the management of the team or the coaching staff of the team don't have enough confidence in a single individual to be that designated leader, that also trickles down to the rest of the team. I, I can. My guess would be that Mike Riley goes to talk to you on the bench this season or last season. You listen. It doesn't matter what position you play or which way, uh, which side of the ball you're on. Mike Riley walks up, you're going to listen like you would to a head coach. 
Well, and th- and that's and that's the interesting thing about about leadership, and is one of the if you want to call it an intangible or you know the vibe or the culture of a team. Uh, I mean, to get back to the Oilers, I think Connor McDavid will be named the captain of the Oilers in the fall. I really do. Um, and you know, a lot of people if you want to debate the captaincy. Well, is, well, well could Matt Hendricks be the captain? Hmm. And my answer is always no, because first of all, I recognize Matt Hendricks works his butt off. He is a leader. Uh, you know, he does community stuff. He's a, he's an outstanding spokesperson in the media for the team. All that kind of stuff. But if you're down a goal on the bench with ten minutes left, Matt Hendricks isn't playing very much. Or if Matt Hendricks looks right. down the bench and says, "Come on, guys, let's get one here," the reaction might be, "Seriously, Matt, you're not going to get one." Like no. whereas Connor McDavid yeah. says, "Okay, guys, we need one." You know, he's playing half of the remaining ten minutes and probably busting his butt with all his heart. So yeah, maybe Hendricks' captain would be actually really unfair to Hendricks because assuming that at some point the kid's got to be captain, at some point Connor McDavid's going to be your captain. What you're actually saying is we need you to just bookmark this square (laughs) (laughs) until the kid's ready. uh, Yeah, we all know where we're going, right? So I guess we might as well. Well, I'm just using that. Yeah, using that for sure. For sure. But yeah, you're right. If if Riley goes up to a defensive player and says, "We need you, bud." Yeah. And you can't argue that Riley hasn't put everything on the line out there himself. Right. You know, and and I've seen that too. And, I, t- you know, it still sh- sends shivers down my spine when I think about these kind of scenarios. And it's why I love football so much. Football far more than hockey. I do watch both sports and enjoy them. But I love football because I love those moments in football that I know still take place at all levels of football where the offense, for example, loses the ball. And the coach will turn to whoever the leader is on the defense and say, where's the effect? Go get me that ball back. Right. That kind of thing. And 12 guys go on the field with that one mission. Right. Let's We're not gonna... hang our heads. That, right. Oh, well, I guess somebody else made a exactly. mistake, so what can I do about it? Yeah, yeah, or a Mike Riley telling the defense, you get me that ball back and I'll put it in the end zone. That kind of thing. Because there's really two teams, and if you want to argue, five teams playing at all times on any given squad. You've got offense, defense, and all your special teams. But they all have to play for the same victory. Mm-hmm. And, and they don't all play the same position. They don't even play at the same time. Yeah. And yet they play as a team. That's what I love about football. Yeah. Well, and you know we're we're romanticizing some things here, but I mean, in 1993, the Montreal Canadiens played 20 playoff games. 11 of them went to overtime, and they won the last 10 of those. And yeah. the story, you know, at one of the games, I can't remember which one it was. Patrick Waugh said, "Look, I'm not." going to allow a goal. So it's just a matter of how long you want to be here. You know, how long, <laughs> you know, because I'm not going to allow a goal. So we're yeah. going to win. So just who wants to actually get out there and score so we can yeah. we can go home. And, uh, and now you have to back it up. I yeah, mean, we can't, sure. can't just have the bravado and, and not be able to back it up. Uh, Andrew, you backed up your first appearance on Inside yeah, Sports. Yeah, well, thanks Absolutely. So we're going to do this again now. You were so good. Well, let's not say that, but uh, I did enjoy myself. I, I really did. So thanks for inviting me. We, we will do it again sometime. You can text 63630. The phone number is 780 If you would like to chime in on uh, anything Andrew and I talked about, and uh, we will talk some Oilers and Eskimos as we roll along. There's nothing better than gridiron and prizes. So this football season, when the Eskimos score, it's up, up. and it's good. 
you can score too with 630 Chad's Kick to Win. First, enter your name on the Eskimos page at 630Chad.com. Then, every time the Eskies kick a field goal, listen for your name and you can instantly win an Eskimos prize pack. Kick to Win, brought to you by 630 Chad and Planet Builders Basements and Garages. PlanetBuilders.ca. As little as $99 bi weekly. For those who crave performance, there is no sound more attractive than the precision tuned engine. Except this. For a very limited time at your Lexus dealer, take advantage of exceptional lease and finance offers or cash incentives on select 2016 Lexus models. Hurry in to your nearest Lexus dealer and book a test drive today. Lease a 2016 Lexus NX200 Turbo for as low as 1.9% APR with delivery credits of up to $2,000. Visit LexusEdmontonArea.ca or your Edmonton area Lexus dealer for details. Thanks for calling Reliance the Furnace Company. Help, our air conditioner broke down and we're about to downgrade our summer vacation to buy a new one. Oh, don't do that yet. Buy a select Lennox AC and make no monthly payments until October 1st of next year. Yes, our vacation is back on. Instead of? A week with my Aunt Shirley. Kids are kind of scared of her, actually. Get a select AC and make no monthly payments until October 1st, 2017. Call 1-866-RELIANCE or visit thefurnacecompany.com for details. At Reliance, we're not comfortable until you are. Conditions apply. OAC, no monthly payments for 15 months. Interest accrues from October 1st, 2017. Hi, I'm Brent from Arctic Spas with a way for you and your family to enjoy all the health, fitness and fun of having your own all-weather pool. We combine the benefits of an Arctic Spa and pool into one easy-to-install unit. Customize your pool with swim, rowing, treadmill and resistance exercise systems. Or turn it into Party Central with an optional swim-up bar. And of course, all are available with our revolutionary Spa Boy automated water care system. Own yours for as little as 200 bucks a month. Check us out at arcticspasedmonton.com. Money, you need it. Your home, you own it. A loan, you got it. At Aaron Acceptance. With one simple application, you can get approved in under 24 hours for the loan you need. It doesn't matter what it's for. Buy the things you want. Pay the bills you've got. Start the business of your dreams. When you're a homeowner, Aaron Acceptance is here to help you make it happen. Go to AaronAcceptance.ca. We're Aaron Acceptance. Homeowners, you can bank on us. Conditions apply. Thanks for calling WinMobile. Yeah, your $40 everywhere plan. Where exactly can I use it? Anywhere in Canada and the U.S. Say I called my girl Mary in Grand Prairie. You're covered. Can I tweet at Gurjee in Bear Creek? Yep. Text Jess, my best from the Midwest? Good one. Just no sharing pictures with Pinder from Windsor. Aha! I'm kidding. Get unlimited Canada-U.S. talk and text plus 5 gigs of data on our home network with Wins Everywhere plan. Now just 40 bucks a month for 10 months. Offer ends soon. Visit Wind mobile.ca wind true mobile freedom hey this is jordan everly from your edmonton oilers you're listening to inside sports with reed wilkins on oilers radio 630 chad Paul Stanley, sing it. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Thanks for tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks to Andrew Gross for sticking around, working a little unpaid overtime. I'm not paying him out of the Inside Sports budget. You don't want to know what the Inside Sports budget is. I think it's like uh, McDonald's coupons. That's about what we got. Uh, Bernard Suen is on the other side of the window as the uh, studio producer this evening. He's on the phone. That's okay. Blue Jays play a bit later on tonight against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Of course, this portion of the show 
is presented by Action Furnace, home of the fixed rate or its free guarantee. You can visit actionfurnace.ca. Just going to check that there. Hang on there. Uh, what do we have coming up? You will hear uh, from Jason Moss today, the head coach of your Edmonton Eskimos. You will hear a little bit from Odell Willis uh, as we uh, get you ready for the Eskimos game on Saturday. They are getting ready to go. We'll talk some uh, golf later on tonight, too, with John Gordon, veteran Canadian uh, golf media personality. The uh, I think John has some pretty interesting opinions about the Olympic golf tournament. I wonder if this will be a very short-lived return to the Olympics for the sport of golf. We'll find out as we move along. Uh, 780-496-0063. We have Rod on the phone. Hello, Rod. Hey, Reed. How you doing? I'm doing wonderful. Thanks for calling. I think that was hilarious. You were talking about Andrew and his comedy past. I listen to him in, sometimes in the afternoon, so and, you know he often doesn't bring that up, or, and I, I hardly ever text about it, but... Uh, he, uh, he used to do stand-up comedy when I was uh, a booking agent for comedians in Edmonton for a company called The Comedy Factory. Oh, really? And then, yeah, and then we, um, I, I ran a club in Lloydminster called Izzy's on the Border, so I, I had a comedy night out there, and I think we had him out there at, at uh, you know, probably a few times, I think, over, over a couple of years. When did you run Izzy's on the Border? Uh, would have been probably 80... Oh, okay. Well, 90, 91, I was there. So long before I worked out there then. Yeah. The last year the Oilers won the Cup, I was at another club on the Alberta side and then moved over to the Saskatchewan side. So, yeah, it would have been uh, 90, 91, somewhere in there, and then again in 93. He's had, he's had an interesting career, and if, if you've ever seen his stand-up, I mean, look, he's he's my coworker, but, I, I mean, yeah, yeah. he's a genuinely funny comedian. But, you know, yeah, we had, like, this heritage in chain down south, so it was like Tabor Brooks, High River, Pincher Creek, and, you know, with comedians, the one the last thing they want to do is go from Fort McMurray down to Medicine Hat, right? So it was a right. nice little run from Monday to Friday at this heritage in chain that we had set up for him. So, yeah, I used to put 80,000 kilometers on my car in six months. Oh, geez. Did you, now, did you hear Andrew's story about coaching Bantam football? I, I did not know. I, I knew he had some coaching experience. I didn't know it was that extensive, and I didn't know that he approached it that way. Twelve no, I guys of each. No idea. Yeah, twelve guys of each age group, and it worked. That's crazy. Yeah, no, never, uh, never, ever uh, discussed it. Actually, back then, of course, it was you know you hang out with comedians and everybody's in character all the time. So right. it's like some of the funniest people you ever <laughs> hang out with because they're always trying to improve their show, right? Right, exactly. You don't realize whether other interests or other areas of their life they might be into. Hey, thanks exactly. for calling, buddy. We'll talk to you again. Yeah, you bet. Cheers. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. I don't. I'm going to try to say this person's name. Juliotic, maybe texting in. I'm sorry if I said that wrong. Next time, if you want Andrew to stay longer, just feed him pizza. Fair enough. Aaron in the four zero three says, "I knew Andrew was funny, but the bit about him dating a stripper that was rich. Where does he come up with this stuff?" <laughs> Now, Bernard, he didn't say he dated a stripper. He said he dated a performer. Yeah, said, it could be did, anything. He said he dated a performer. That's that's all. That's really all he said. Well, it could be anything. So it could be anything. Well, I may have said that it involved her taking her clothes off, and I think he said yes. But <laughs> she could have been. Uh, I don't know. Lots of things she could have been. Yep. <laughs> 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 Thanks, Bernard. Uh, this texture says, Andrew's discussion about Bantam football was the most passionate I have ever heard him speak about anything. He should definitely be back. He'll be back. I'm not going to give him a choice. 
Well, I'm not going to give him a choice. You can text 630-630. The phone number is 780-496-0063. Jamie Nye is coming up later tonight as uh, he will uh, expand on the suffering of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. As I mentioned, they have five wins in their last 30 meaningful football games, 29 regular season games, one playoff game. I'm guessing the Eskimos fans among you are maybe grinning to yourself hearing that stat, and uh, members of Rider Nation are uh, shaking their heads and uh, wondering if it's going to turn around. I do think Chris Jones will turn it around. I mean, we're talking about building successful programs, successful teams. Uh, I mean, we went through... uh, I mean, the, the Oilers have been out of the playoffs 10 years in a row. And it wasn't a very good decade for the Eskimos either. I mean, they won the Grey Cup in 2005. Their playoff streak ended in 06 and 07. Uh, Certainly the CFL, it's easier to make the playoffs. The Eskimos had some not very good teams that were able to get into the playoffs and not do much damage. Uh, I do think the 2011 Eskimos team was probably the second best team in the CFL, and they lost to BC in the West Final. So... It is, it is interesting, how do, you, how do you build a program? How do you build uh, a feeling of success? How do you build that feeling where, you know, we are good, we have confidence, we can go out on the field or the ice, and, and we can stand in there with anybody? The Oilers don't have that feeling. The Eskimos do have that feeling. Now, you need the talent to back it up. It's not just about, oh, let, let's be positive, guys. Let's be positive. We're all Smurfs. Let's be happy. We'll win. No, it's a little more complicated than that. But the Eskimos, the Eskimos have captured something that has helped them. They have talent. They got two outstanding receivers. They got a good quarterback. But they've also captured something that is, you know, within their being right now that has them believing every game is there for the taking. I think what has set into the Oilers is here we go again. Mid-December, not really in it. Interest fades. You know, you, you see that you're overmatched, and it's it's here we go again. So that's what Shirelli and McClellan have to get rid of. That's that's what now. Jay Shirelli's put his neck out there. You know, the Hall trade, huge risk, huge risk. There's no doubt about it. As a matter of fact, George LaRock, former Edmonton Oiler, was on with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Now earlier today, and was talking about the Hall for Larson trade. That trade is not tough to understand. That trade is easy to understand. It's one of the worst trades in the history of the NHL. I compared that trade to Alex Toyanov against Marcus Naslund. I couldn't believe it. He calls it one of the worst trades in the history of the NHL. We'll see. Uh, I, I, I was surprised it went down that way that the Oilers didn't get more back. But I'm not going to label it the worst trade in the history of the NHL until I've seen how the players perform on their specific teams. And specifically, as I said on this show last week, Adam Larson could be an oiler for the next 10 to 12 years. In four years, you're going to have a 27-year-old defenseman who's played 600 games in the NHL and who probably still has five to seven really good years ahead of him. That's not such a bad thing. But I know if Taylor Hall goes on to have 90-point seasons with the New Jersey Devils, it still maybe won't be enough. Uh, it's going to be interesting evaluating that. 780-496-0063. You can text 63630. We will continue rolling here. A little more from LaRock, Jason Moss, all ahead. Inside Sports on Chad. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.